Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. San Bonani, good morning everybody. Um, this is Rory speaking. Uh, we've got a crack of a show today. <laughs> Why are you feeling so nervous when you have to speak and start the show with San Bonani? Yeah, huh? I'm not used to, I'm not used to doing that, uh, the, the classic San Bonani. Uh, I see. San Bonani, no How's it going everybody? Uh, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm working my magic here. Do you what see are you, what are you doing? Well, what's wrong? Are we on? Yeah, we're on. Okay, then work your magic. I'm working it, I'm working it. Thanks so much to Gareth Cliff and the gang back again uh, tomorrow, 6 to 9. You're with the Konza Show. We're speaking about uh, Afrikaners. Not Afrikaans, Afrikaners. Um, something really interesting came to mind between Rory and I. You know, this guy's got full of interesting thoughts in his head. And uh, he, he he was speaking about a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to get into that a little bit in a little bit. Uh, because you're passionate about this, coming from Pretoria, hey? Hey, I'm not, uh, no, I don't know, is it passionate? It's just, uh, yeah, it, it, it was it's something that, so, so last week, uh, the Kuro incident, I think, mm. just, uh, just lit a, lit a flame in me once again. Now, this is, this is in, at a time when we're celebrating, or let's say commemorating, um, June 16, 1976, uh, and what that was all about. So I thought, you know what? I think there's a conversation to be had here just around Afrikaans and, and, and the role of the Afrikaner in society. I mean, the, 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 the let's call it the archetype of Afrikaner in, in South African society is Steve Hoffmeyer. Is that even accurate? Is that, is that, uh, the picture of Afri- of an Afrikaner that we need to be carrying in our minds, or or is that a twisted picture? So so yeah, I, I, I guess I was just uh, I thought this this would be a good thing just to bring to everybody and see whether I'm the only one who feels this way. <laughs> All right, you're gonna lead us on this. Oh eight six one five 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 one eight nine. If you want to join the conversation, of course you can hit us up on WeChat. Plenty of conversations happening on Twitter as well at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore L E V Y. Um, follow follow the conversations on Twitter that we're going to be going crazy, and you'll see our timelines have been lighting up a whole bunch of people. Andrew, why do you think this particular topic? I mean, we got some. I mean, we've been called retarded. Uh, yeah, this guy called, called me retarded. <laughs> this guy called you just uh, <laughs> uh, irrelevant uh, and yeah, useless. And uh, you must, I must be blocked. This this has this know, has man. drawn I, a lot of heat. I, I've I'm never been blocked in my life, but uh, this week it happened, and uh, it's very scary. <laughs> I must be honest. But let let's let's take a listen to what happened last week, uh, and uh, see where we go from there. The white Afrikaans speaking people in South Africa. Uh, which are, uh, we like to be called the Boer Nation. The video shows a group of white learners being led off a bus before a group of black pupils disembark from the vehicle. No, we don't hate black people, but it's not our fault that 95% of the criminals in this country is black. I must emphasize I'm disgusted. And the justification that I'm receiving in this school has indeed affected my emotion. And we do apologize for, I think we learn a lot on our side as well with the whole process of, of integration in South Africa. I will not allow a great R learner to be reminded about apartheid in this country. We want our own government, we want our own piece of ground and we will, at the end, we will strive for that. And we have the view that there's no race that is more important or above another race. Uh, we don't we, are, we don't see ourselves as part of this so-called rainbow nation. We believe that racialism is non-negotiable. It's being forced down people's throats in South Africa. 
that you are part of the Rainbow Nation. There's no such thing. You are either a Zulu or you are a Sutu or you are an Afrikaner or you are an Englishman or whatever. You know, there's no such thing as a Rainbow Nation. It's artificially created. So Nelson Mandela, in the dock of the Pretoria Supreme Court in 1964, said, I have fought against white domination and I have fought against black domination. I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. Let's reflect that. Let's reflect on that for a moment. Domination. You know, the idea that we carry that we carry of domination is of the white soldiers gunning down black children in a township. It's of a white government hanging black freedom fighters just because they dare to stand up against an oppressive and immoral system. All this under the cloak of law and religion. Yet domination today manifests itself under the cloak of culture and language. It manifests itself under the cloak of self-determination and cultural pride. When we segregate children into classrooms on the basis of culture or language, how are we not perpetuating the idea of separateness? How are we not perpetuating the idea of apartness? How do we live together in harmony when we are so blinded by our cultural identities that we fail to pause and ask ourselves just for a moment what the greater good is? Last week, seeing the reports on racial segregation at Kuro, reflecting on June 16, 1976, I first felt angry, to be honest, and then I felt over it. Why bother? Why must we continue to struggle trying to drag the Afrikaans community into the fold? It seems that the more we try, the more unraveled this whole ideal of a free and democratic South Africa in which we all live in harmony becomes undone. The more we try, it seems the more we get thrown, this harmony thrown back into our faces. That's how I genuinely felt. That's how the events made me feel, um, to say, you know, why bother? And, and was this thing, was the fact that racial harmony was gifted to us, was that a problem? Should, would we appreciate it more if we had to beg for it? Would, would, would it, would it have, made us appreciate it and respect it a lot more and been willing to put aside our cultural differences and so on for the sake of harmony if we had to beg uh, somebody uh, who is pointing a gun at us or pointing a panga at us and wanting revenge would we then at that in this moment respect what uh, what a gift this racial harmony is and that for me is what is what's at the at the core of this thing. But at the same time, I, I realize that the Afrikaans culture is a beautiful culture, as with all other cultures, right? So, so what we have is possibly people who are hijacking what is a great culture for their own distorted means. But then again, why is the Afrikaans community then quiet? Why is the Afrikaans community quiet when the likes of Sinead Bridges say the things that they say? Why is the Afrikaans community... Uh, quiet when you have people like Steve Offmeyer, um becoming the poster boys of, of, of the Afrikaans culture. Then I ask myself, you know, is the Afrikaans community then complicit in the fact that, in the fact that this, this, this perception of it, uh, continues to be perpetuated? And that's what, 
we hope to speak about today because uh for yeah. me for me it's a uh, yeah it's i can hear the emotion running through your voice right now no, i can hear a, the, the the quiver look man uh, we, in your in your in your tongue as they would say we take we take i think we take this harmony for granted people died for this man and and you know this domination thing continues it it just it's it's no longer done by a guy in car keys uh, with uh, AWB uh, symbol. Now it's done by and and it's not just uh, by Afrikaans people. It's not just by white people. It's it's across the board. Um, but the topic for today is the Afrikaans community, and I think the question from me is how do we? Is there space? I mean, we heard in in the insert earlier when when somebody was saying this thing of the Rainbow Nation is 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 a fictitious thing. Um, it does not exist, you know, and uh, I think we need to ask ourselves, you know, is that is that is that the view of Afrikaners in general, or, or you know, and why should we bother? There's this talk of the folk start, for example, mm. which is a separate state Oranya. for the Afrikaans community. Yes. You know, all of these things for me they're disturbing, and I don't know enough about it, and that's why I'm so glad we've got Ernst and uh, and Hanukkah in studio. I think it, it it's great to. It would be great to just get uh, a perspective from Afrikaans people um, about what this is all about and which which parts we're getting wrong, uh, which parts are true. Uh, is there is there a space for self self reflection um, within the Afrikaans community about how it carries its culture and uh, how it how it does away with the idea that it is a dominating culture? Remember June nineteen June sixteen nineteen seventy six. The kids ran out because they were tired of being dominated by what they referred, what they saw as the language of oppression, which was Afrikaans. That's what they marched against. They didn't march against algebra. Um, they weren't sick of education. They were sick and tired of of Afrikaans. <laughs> they could have been sick and tired of those things too, you know. <laughs> yeah, but so so so, and 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 look, so it symbolized a greater struggle. June 16, 1976, symbolized a much greater struggle. But they chose. So in the similar way that uh, on, on the UCT campus, they chose to make the Rhodes statue the, 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 the epicenter of the struggle against institutionalized mm. racism. They chose to make Afrikaans. They felt that Afrikaans represented everything that, uh, that represented apartheid, and they decided to take a stand against it. So, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to engaging with, uh, with, with you guys about this. Well, before we get on to them, let's, uh, let's just, uh, because they are important, obviously, our studio guests here. Let's not uh, forget everyone uh, who wants to add their thoughts and comments. Uh, you can do so by going on to WeChat uh, on Cliff Central's uh, page. You can also tweet us. I see that uh, the tweets and WeChats are already starting up. Jeez, what is it? It's unbelievable. Is it just that every Afrikaner has hot, uh, Twitter? Is that what's going on here? Is this that, is a hot topic. Is that what's happening? Because uh, Naomi uh, says she heard that insert and it just makes her want to throw up. Some people should feel so ashamed. Just me on WeChat says, Cure, this Cure thing is an absolute disgrace. As a white South African with a black son, uh, I'm so, uh, I would be so angry if my son was separated like that. It just doesn't help, does it? It doesn't help in any kind of cultural understanding. Uh, we've got Ernst, uh, you know? Ernst. Ernst. I can't, we, I can't pronounce, I'm not good at Afrikaans. I'm just being honest. I'm just being no, honest. I'm no, getting no. lessons that, at that's the moment. That's not, uh, 20 lessons. years after 1994, that's not an excuse. You need to be able to say Ernst. Ernst Roots, uh, is the deputy CEO of AfriForum. We've also got a interesting, very interesting lady by the name of Hanneke Rauch. Um, she is, uh, a young South African making a big difference in other South Africans' lives. Um, 
And Hanukkah, just by the way, the reason she's here is because she took issue with us immediately when we posted. Yeah, on Facebook, she was and one we of those were like, ones. We were she like, this is the show ones. we're going to yeah. have. And Hanukkah Absolutely. was like, Niavat, I'm not going to let you guys just get away with this. How dare you make it about villain or victim? What about everything in between? Yes. It's too extreme. <laughs> and and we've got people who already want to comment. Um, there's a, there's a guy by the name of Michael. Uh, he's phoning in from Durban. We'll take him in a little bit. But before we get there, I just want to you know put my personal perspective on as a white English South African who doesn't speak very good Afrikaans. A couple of years ago, I realized that I was actually um, she's not racially blurred, but but culturally prejudice against Afrikaners. And it was something I had to deal with. It was something I had to deal with in my own mind, which was to say that not all Afrikaners are bad. You can't stereotype an Afrikaner as being something. But the voice that I continued to hear from the Afrikaner um, space was one of the extremes, was mm. one of, of Steve Hoffman and friends. Um, so it really, it really got me thinking about my own prejudices, um, against Afrikaans people and had to work on it severely to, to try and change that. Mm. It was a big, big issue. Um, so hopefully we'll get some of, uh, some of your thoughts, uh, from people out there about their views, their prejudices. And also, if you are an Afrikaner and you are proud, then let us know. Let us know your thoughts. Do you want to, do you want to speak to Michael before we speak to our guests? Uh, let's, let's chat to Michael. All right. Thanks for holding Michael from Durban. Good morning. What are your thoughts? Uh, look, I, I might sound a little brash, yeah, but I look, we're talking about that Caro schools thing. I watched the video. It does seem like mostly black children went to the left and uh, white children went to the right, but I definitely counted a few blacks with the whites and a few whites with the blacks. And could it possibly be that it's the truth that it was English-speaking students going to the left and Afrikaans students going to the right? I, I, I just saying no one's mentioned that there are a few black kids on the side and a few white kids on the other side no, that's good that's, that's, that's clear as day and no one's mentioned that mm-hmm. and it sort of upsets me because it looks like we're saying hey here's something to get very upset about so let's be upset about it let's ignore that there are some black kids on the right side and some black kids on the, on the left side as well michael but when you look at the response from the school um they they don't they don't that's not what they say they say no no it's just a separation according to because the response from the school was we separated them by language exactly is that right there's the fact that they get separated by language would that make it right okay, so when you go to school do you go to an english class and then the afrikaans kids join you in the same class no, but I'm I, talking about dual medium schools with dual languages. Yeah, so do you, you, speak, do you, you think... Don't, you don't teach English kids in one school and Afrikaans people in the same class. Do you think Afrikaans it's right? Afrikaans people get vocation. No, I don't think it's right. I think okay. it's right that if the truth was that it was a language separation, then that means that the teachers would have been separate. So the teacher that taught in English would have probably been on the English bus. And that the teacher that spoke in Afrikaans would be on the Afrikaans bus because it would be her student that she would deal with. But what hope, Michael, Michael, what hope do we have of, of, of building this, um, this non-racial society in South Africa if we continue to make um, things like language and culture and so on the basis uh, for, for segregation? Should we not be a lot more sensitive but, as based on where school, we come from? It was an outing. It, it doesn't, so are you saying I mean, it's I insecure, insignificant because it's at school? I was a born free, 
And I mean, I went to an English and Afrikaans school, and when I was taught, I was taught in English, and my class, we spoke English. But the school, the class next door was an Afrikaans teacher. Do you want us all to be taught in the same class, both languages, Why at not? the same time? Why not? Well, that wouldn't make any sense. Why? How would you do that? How, how would you teach well, English to well, Afrikaans? Well, um, keep okay, in mind. Look, I'm going to listen to you guys on the radio because <laughs> clearly you want to make a situation that isn't true. No, no, no. Michael, 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 let me, let me help you here. Um, we okay. need to discuss a topical, a topical discussion. Um, the fact that I disagree with you does not mean that I'm making an issue of it. I think in as much as I'm willing to hear you, you need to hear me. So I'm asking you and I'm wanting to understand why is it? Sure. So, so you hold an opinion and I'm asking, so why? Why can't we picture an, an environment in which um, kids are, are, are taught in both English and Afrikaans or just English maybe? Because then it, remember the black kids aren't first language English speakers either. Absolutely, and I think that the, the real problem here should be addressed that children are not being taught in the Arab language. Honestly, mm. that's the real issue here. But look, I'm not disagreeing that there's, there's problems between blacks and whites and Afrikaners. We all, this is for me, the big problem is we're focusing on something that might be a non-issue, and the real issue is not what that school's up to, is that the, the whole thing is acceptable on a different level. But I'm not, I'm not arguing that there's problems. I'm arguing that we're focusing on this one particular incident, which I don't think is the biggest factor as everyone's making it out to be, because there are English-speaking people and there are Afrikaans-speaking people. And uh, mm. a lot of Africans would rather be taught in English because Afrikaans was seen as the oppressor's language. So that's generally why I would say most of the African children were in the English class. All right, I'm Michael. speaking, that's what the school says. Yeah, Michael, thank, thank you for your thoughts and thank you for calling and really appreciate it. <clears throat> Keep listening and uh, definitely engage us on, on Twitter and uh, WeChat. As you see, it's already started. Um, I think the interesting thing just regarding Kuro schools for me, for example, is why were the classes uh, separated uh, in languages? They should, you know, you could have easily seen a situation where there's class A, B and C. It has completely wide and diverse uh, classrooms with different kids from different language schools. And then they go to an Afrikaans class for Afrikaans. And they go to an English class and Zulu class for Zulu and, and English. Um, but that, that for me is, is just quite an important one. Uh, we now can let our guests speak finally. <laughs> We've been telling them to be quiet for this whole time. Hanukkah Rauch is dying to say something. She's a young Afrikaner in South Africa doing amazing things. Hanukkah, good morning to you. What do good you want morning. to say? I just, I'm gagging to say something. Say something. Um, Seferit. I just think. Well, in Afrikaans, so what does that mean now? Seferit. What was that? No, he's just saying, say it. Like, speak. I don't, I don't really. <laughs> Speak Afrikaans. Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm being rude. Um, no, I just I just wanted to say I thought I understood where Michael was coming from or what he's trying to say. Um, you know, we all fight for being able to, or in South Africa, to be able to give first language education, especially at this young age, right? So I think the issue here is that the option still far and wide is either English or Afrikaans. And so I think the point is not to try and reinvent the wheel here you know it's important for little ones especially foundation early learning stages to have the opportunity to be educated in their mother tongue wouldn't you agree um but the issue is that the options are still sort of either either afrikaans or english and then it it's very dangerous because then the option becomes all the black kids over there and because mm. mostly white kids speak afrikaans yeah but the issue of education in the mother tongue 
I don't think we should start to re like that's such a wonderful and important thing and it should be available in vernacular languages as well. Mm, that's what I think. I, I totally agree with you and I think let's let's not uh, get stuck in this cura school things. Mm. I mean there's been wide debates around this. We saw Panyaza la Sufi going absolutely mad and I think uh, if there are problems within that school then they need to be addressed and absolutely. not seen as the whole. I think today we're really discussing this idea of Afrikaners, you know, what is their role in the modern South Africa? How do they feel? Um, we'll speak to Anderson just a little bit. But Hanneke, your personal feelings as a young Afrikaner mm. in South Africa right now, a proud young Afrikaner. Yes. Let me let me put that <laughs> up there as well. What does it mean to be an Afrikaner well, for you? Uh, I think it's a complicated and a complex identity to be Afrikaans. Um, it's something that has to constantly be redefined and reimagined. Um, what you mentioned earlier about your sort of default prejudice that you sort of had to admit to, that's something I've heard many, many times before. I also speak English Quite well. Well, that's absolutely. <laughs> let's so not often, go too far. No, but here. what I was going to say is, often people don't know that I'm Afrikaans until I switch over, and then they'll say, um, "Oh, you you speak Afrikaans quite well." I'm like, "No, no, I speak English well." Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess Afrikaans, um, but uh, it allows me an interesting perspective because it doesn't come with uh, with that preloaded thing. I don't come there. Like I don't I don't enter most conversations being. Being, uh, judged, for lack of a better word. Um, your question was, what does it, what does it mean and how does it feel? I mean, I think it's, we, we are just as much a part of this country as any, any other group or culture, but not more so than any other group or culture. And it's important. It brings a, a very, uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's a vitally important cultural group. I, I, I definitely want to defend our space in South Africa. I see you looking <laughs> over to Adam's like, he's your compadre! <laughs> your compadre! Well, I don't I know, I haven't even, uh, It's a good point. So let's, let's ask Ernst. Ernst, you, you obviously deputy CEO of Afri Forum. Um, you, you frame yourselves as an, as a, as a civil rights organization protecting minorities, um, protecting the interests of the Afrikaner. Uh, we framed how, how Hanukkah got involved is because she didn't like this framing of Afrikaner, victim or villain. Um, what do you, what's your, what's your response to that? Is the Afrikaner a victim or a villain in the new South Africa? Well, I think with, with any uh, complicated topic in South Africa, such as such as this one, uh, we shouldn't generalize and we shouldn't stereotype. Um, after listening to that introduction um, you played, I felt like I needed to lie down on the couch for a while. So I think I, I think with. Um, with all due respect, I think it was a, a slightly stereotypical that that audio piece that you played. Mm. Um, but if we accept that as sort of being an introduction to a bigger debate, I think the debate or the discussion that we have is is very healthy. Um, what we experience is that that we do sometimes have double standards in South Africa, where, for example, um, I don't have any interest in in, in Having or being involved with a discussion with a topic such as, let's say, black people, victims or villains, or uh, uh, because I think that would be it would be seen as racist. But if you speak about uh, Afrikaners, victims or villains, it's seen as you know we need to have this discussion. So it's easier to criticize Afrikaners in mm-hmm. South Africa. It's easier to to 
to regard Afrikaners as villains. Where I think if we if we have a more if we have a balanced approach, we will see that everyone in this country are are victims and everyone are villains. It depends on what you're looking at. So we have a very complicated situation, and of course we're trying to simplify it. But I think in simplifying a complicated situation, we run the risk of 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 um, losing nuance and and stereotyping. Adams, I, I I I really like the way you've you've formulated this. Um, and and my thought process is: Do you think that there's this uh, double standards because Afrikaners could have done more potentially post-1994 to try and integrate more instead of try and isolate and um, because they were so scared of losing or being attacked that they then had to like defend themselves. As you say, you know, Hanukkah uses the words defend. Uh, <laughs> defend. I don't even know what defend is in Afrikaans. I wish I did. To defend oneself um, because of the position that they've put themselves in, instead of going, you know what, flip. As you said, like I need to lie down. I need to actually understand what y- yesterday brought for us. Um, it wasn't, you know, you you look like quite a young man yourself. Um, so I'm assuming you weren't directly involved in in all the apartheid shenanigans that went on. But there were people that were. Yeah. They were predominantly Afrikaans. It was an Afrikaans system, uh, yeah. and it you know it created huge atrocities to humankind. So. So yeah, we're not going to be doing a show on black people, victims or villains, but we do, you know, we get to this stage because I wonder from your thoughts, do you think that Afrikaners have done enough post-1994 to actually go, yeah, I'm here and I understand where I come from. I want to go forward. I want to be part of the future. And there should be a place for every kind of culture, Mm. minority or majority. But I want to acknowledge where we've come from. Well, I think um, if you think about it globally, Afrikaners were... Probably the only or at least one of the only uh, groups or cultural groups in, in the world or nations that actually voluntarily gave up power uh, that happened in 1994 when Afrikaners said, okay, listen, we need to stand back. Uh, what we're doing is wrong. We need to change the system. So I think that already was a huge step. Um, they might not have had a choice. Let's no, there were, there were a lot Let's of pressures, fair. of course. No, there <laughs> were a lot of factors um, but it, at the end of the day, it still was, it, it wasn't, the ANC didn't feel the need to, uh, they were preparing for a violent revolution, but it, at the end of the day, it didn't happen because there was a peaceful um, um, transformation. I think on, on your question in terms of have Afrikaners done enough and the issue of defense, um, Afrikaners feel defensive. I think if, if um, Afrikaners felt really experienced that they were welcome and that they were excluded um, and that they were really part of the new South Africa, I think an organization such as Afri Forum probably wouldn't have existed in the first place. Um, but now we have a situation where, and I'm not kidding, I'm, I'm giving actual figures, close to about every two or three minutes one person joins Afri Forum. As so, uh, during this discussion, about thirty people will join Afri Forum. So we're growing at an Glad incredible we could help. rate. <laughs> no, no, but I, I think I think, and the reason why Afrikaners feel defensive, um, and I'm not talking for everyone or on behalf of everyone. Obviously, there are um, maybe Hanukkah will defy. I don't know, but uh, the reason Afrikaners feel 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 that they need to be defensive is because there are certain issues that they feel strongly about, that they feel. The current system is in a, in a particular way discriminating against them and they want to raise their voices and they experience that when they raise their voices or when we raise our voices, um, it's as if it's not really on the agenda of government. So um, we feel that – to give you one example, about a year or two ago, um, 
President Zuma said in Parliament, his exact words were, we are the majority, we have more rights, you are the majority, you are the minority, you have less rights. That's how democracy works. And that's absolutely not how democracy works. Mm. So it's because of this type of thing that, that people feel defensive and, and, um, so I think it has to come from both sides. It's, it's not only saying Afrikaners need to do more. I think it's also a thing of saying government needs to do more. Let's talk a little bit, um, <coughs> Ernst, just about your, you say that you're trying to almost become a voice for the Afrikaner. Um, and yet it's not Ernst that I picture when I think of Afrikaner. It's, it's Steve Offmeyer. Um, why has the Afrikaner community allowed the likes of Steve Offmeyer then to, to, to drive the narrative for the Afrikaans community? Why has AfriForum not said, we denounce what Steve Offmeyer is doing, we denounce what Sunet Bridges is doing, uh, they do not represent us because they are going totally against us wanting to integrate? Well, we, uh, to give you an honest answer, we have, as AfriForum, we, we've had campaigns in the past, um, together with Steve Hofmeyer, but we've had campaigns together with a lot of different people. Um, but I don't think, I don't even think Steve Hofmeyer would agree, uh, to a statement that, you know, he speaks for the Afrikaner people or the Afrikaans people. And, um, we have disagreed with, with Steve Hofmeyer on issues and Steve Hofmeyer has disagreed with every forum on issues. So, um, um, and it's an open thing. Uh, it's 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 on public debate. So we have done that. I, I think what I'm more concerned about is, um, and I don't know if that was was um, some of the clips that you played in that that introduction. But we have these really extreme fringe groups, but they are extremely small as well. Uh, you know, we had the AWB and the AWB collapsed, and um, now we have these people. You know, fringe organizations, literally. Um, actively pursuing racism, active, actively encouraging white people to hate black people. And that is a big problem for us. Um, not because we believe that they will have a significant impact, uh, because they don't. But why we are concerned about that is because it is seen, one of these groups, for example, has received a lot of publicity internationally on European television for camps that they have, you know, training white people to go to war and things like that. But it's it's a very, very small grouping. It's almost just a group of friends doing this. And it, it creates a negative uh, – it smears off on the Afrikaner mm. as a community. So we have this negative perception about the Afrikaner who are, in, our, in my view, actually moderate people. But we have this view of this group of racists because we have small groups of racists within that community actively – Sure. Promoting racism. Can I, can I just contribute to this point? Because I think this, there's this constant question, the Afrikaner, the Afrikaner, as if it's one singular, one big movement, one opinion that mm. everyone holds and everyone either is, um, in or out. In or out. And you're either, like all of us, we're not, we're not throwing a stone at Steve Wolfman and by that very, uh, default, we basically just supporting him. I think that's absolutely untrue. There's so many different flavors and shades of types of Afrikaners. Um, I, for one, do not feel that I don't have a space in South Africa. I don't feel defensive of my space in South Africa. I feel democratically empowered and entitled and, and respected um, in this country. So that's, that's the thing that I find difficult, like to, um, to associate all Afrikaners either as because they, because all of them are not stopping Steve Wolfmeyer from saying the things that he's saying, uh, but we, we are by, we are by default associating <laughs> with him and his opinions. Speak, yeah? You know what I mean? And I just think, okay. um, you know. Is silence not consent though? I, I mean, what kind of silence are we talking? Getting on a, on a so, podium so, and so. waving a flag or living, or living your life by an example and, 
So when a small group of people decide by the by their actions uh, create a stereotype that is untrue for the majority, mm. should the majority not be saying not in our name? I can I can tell you what our our approach is as Afro Forum. Um, uh, there's this this uh, principle or pol- political philosophy thing that says you are only as big as the battles that you fight. Um, so there are some cases when we believe, for example, when we had this story about these camps with people being trained allegedly, you know, to prepare for war, which was actually a very insignificant thing. Um, but the way it appeared or the way it, people experienced it when they saw it in the media was was very gross. Um so in a case like that, we believe it has a bigger impact. So we need to to respond. And we have responded as Afriforum, saying this is racist. We repudiate this. We don't want anything to do with this. But then there are cases, uh, there are frequent cases, and it's not only within the white community, it's within the black community as well, where we have people who are, you know, just walking on the street or small organizations making racist statements. But but what we experience also is if we as AfriForum, as a fairly large organization, start attacking small organizations, then we actually give publicity to that small organization. And that only it not only counts for Afrikaners. There was a, uh, a recent ex- uh, – not recent anymore, but there was an example of a some young organization, a new organization, and then the leader stood up at some platform and said, if you steal from white people, it's not a crime. And I believe that's hate speech. But if we as Every Forum start l- lashing out at that insignificant organization, they will receive a lot of publicity and it will become part of a bigger mm. debate. All right. We're speaking to uh, Ernst uh, Roots. Have I said Roots? It's Roots. 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 Okay. Yes. Uh, it's challenging uh, every part uh, of his no, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's, it's Rory's 100% right. I need to learn everyone's, uh, pronounce everyone's names correctly. He is the deputy CEO of AfriForum. We've also got Hanika Rauch. She is a young Afrikaner who wants to speak her mind and had a good go at us uh, uh, during the week about some of the comments that we put Not on true. Facebook. We're going to take a quick break. Afterwards, we're going to hear from you 0861-555-189 also on Twitter there's a there's a whole bunch of comments coming through we'll take some of those comments as well and continue the conversation the Africana are they victims or are they villains we'll hear from you next the taste of the Republic of Extra Cold at the Embassy event on the 27th of June at Nasrick, Johannesburg. This epic event will raise the flag for extraordinary experiences with Boys and Bucks, Casper Vest, and many more. With only 4,000 tickets on offer, get yours now for only 200 rand a compute ticket or visit castlelight.co.za for more information on the coolest event this winter. Unlock Extra Cold Refreshment. Enjoy responsibly. Not for sale to persons under the age of 18. All right, back in studio here at uh, Cliff Central. You're with the Konza Show. It is exactly 20 minutes to 10 o'clock. We're talking about the Afrikaner and and uh, what their role in the new South Africa is. Um, are they victims? Are they villains? What do you think about it? Uh, quite a bit of commentary coming through on Twitter. Peter de Villiers says, and not Peter de Villiers, the coach, I believe. Uh, but he says, what do black people want Afrikaners to do to atone for apartheid? Yeah. It's a, it's a very good question. Rory, since you're the only black man in the room, <laughs> I suppose we, we have to represent for you and, and ask the question. Uh, I am in no position to be speaking <laughs> for, for, for black people, very but nice, I don't think Rory. so. The issue is not about uh, what, what do Afrikaners need to do to atone for apartheid. I think it's, here's the deal. You're looking at it as an event. We're looking for something to happen and 
by that thing happening, uh, there shall be atonement from apartheid. And I don't think that is it. I think for me as a black person, and again, mm. I'm not speaking for blacks totality. For me as a black person, I don't want to keep seeing these things that the Kuro and, and so on. I do not want to see this thing that goes against everything that our forefathers have fought against. Um, and I think there is a role for the Afrikaans community, but not just them across the board, but for the Afrikaans community to demonstrate that, you know what, we want to be part of this, not as an event. As as an ongoing thing, we're going to be part of this. We're not so. <clears throat> while I I understand where Afri Forum is coming from, um, I think, and maybe it's a question to put to Ernst because you know there's a fine balance between uh, promoting and protecting the rights of the Afrikaner and and excluding the Afrikaner uh, by so doing, excluding the Afrikaner as if they're not part of the broader society. Because the same problems. Um, the same principles would 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 apply to everybody else. Mm, sure. Right. So so I mean I think that that's that's the thing. It's not about it's not about uh, you know the black person wanting atonement for apartheid. I think apartheid happened, but it's going to be a process now that we need to 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 unpack. There's an interesting comment here. Um, I'm seeing it on Twitter. It's not only about being Afrikaans. It's about being white. There's a racist legacy here. And, and that is why separating kids on language cannot happen in a post, post apartheid country, like separating Jews and non-Jews in Germany after World War II. Secondly, they have to stand up because otherwise they are complicit in it. And thirdly, yes, whites, not just Afrikaners have to atone. We have to, we have not done enough, hence that school and other racial issues are what, um, what have, or what we've done. Life is fantastic for white South Africans. This is on Facebook. Interesting comment. And so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's not just about being Afrikaans and Afrikaners, uh, being white as well. I mean, it, there's, a, there's a lot of layers to this, isn't there? Yeah, I think, uh, once again, it's, it's, it's a very broad issue and it's a very complicated issue. Um, um, so maybe if I can respond with, with a controversial statement. I, when we walked in here, I, I, I heard <laughs> Gareth walking Please. out saying he likes it if the show is controversial. <laughs> he says this show is usually controversial. I think what, what's, what's happening now, and it maybe it links a bit to, to what we, um, to the point I mentioned earlier was the issue about, um, or what we have in this country is this constant debate about white privilege. And that's sort of what I, what I took from that message as well, that white people are, white people are privileged. And and the the proof thereof is usually the fact that the average white person has more money than the average white, black person in South Africa, and that's true. But I think an issue of of wellness has to do with a lot more than than, than financial status. But I think what's happened recently is this constant debate about white privilege has also given rise to to a, a new phenomenon, which is black privilege. And I think black privilege. Uh, is I actually wrote a piece about that recently. Black pri- privilege, in my view, is what you find when, when, um, when you almost have a carte blanche. You have this open tablet when you want to criticize white people, uh, and you can say almost anything you want. Um, but but the mo- but you can't say those things about black people because then it's racist. And it's sort of entrenching this double standards that we have in South Africa. And I think I think in terms of public debates, we have this new phenomenon, which is black privilege, and in which black people can say a lot more. They can say what's on their minds, but white people sort of need to hold back because they are, they are afraid. For example, if you try to to explain what happened at this Kiro, the Kiro incident, then you are 
you, you are seen as racist. Uh, well, I think there is an explanation for what happened, but responding to these type of things are, are regarded as racist. And isn't there a space, you know, I, I see where you're coming from with this black privilege, privilege where everyone can, you know, black people can say what they want. And as soon as a white person says something, then they're seen as racist straight away, you know, and I can imagine for the Afrikaner, that's even worse. Um, but isn't there a space for, for, Afrikaners to, you know, stand up and actually say, you know what, listen, eh, like, this is not, this is not right. What's going on here? Um, not only about, I mean, for Kuro schools, for example, how many Afrikaners immediately take the space of defending the Kuro school principles and this and this and this and instead go, you know what, actually, they're on a school trip for heaven's sake. It's not like they're going on an Afrikaans tour and an English tour and therefore need to go down the Afrikaans route and the English route. They're on a school bus. Why are they being separated? This is not good because ultimately the more that one separates themselves, the more that they get the stones thrown at them, right? So actually, isn't it the role of the Afrikaner to say we want more integration because then we can actually have a bigger voice in South Africa? I, I think um, on the Kiro incident, I think part of, of an, maybe an explanation for what you're describing, the reaction from Afrikaners, is that, that Afrikaners feel strongly about the issue of being able to study in your own language. And the reason why we feel strongly about that is because it is a reality in South Africa, or it was to a larger degree, where you can go to primary school in Afrikaans in your own language, you can go to high school, you can go to university, and there's a lot of pressure being put on schools and universities to transform, in other words, to change their language policies. And that has happened. It's even been in the constitutional court. Um, so it's a, it's a sensitive issue, this issue of, we have this reality where we have Afrikaans schools. You can study in your own language, but there's pressure on these schools to change their policies. And now um, that's essentially what happened with the Kiro school. They were, they were, they had this this uh, pr this initiative or this attempt to say, listen, we're going to have two languages, and we're going to have provide education in two languages. And I believe that's a good principle. We should have more schools saying we want to promote mother tongue education. And the moment that is attacked, I think people felt. People feel like this is also a threat, a threat to education in my own language, and I need to respond to that. In 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 the interests of of uh, you know creating harmony within the country, given where we come from. So in an ordinary country where we haven't had the sort of racial segregation, where Afrikaans has not been seen as the language of oppression, then yes, maybe. But in a country like ours, with the history that it does, should the Afrikaans community not be saying, you know what, uh, for the sake of for the sake of of Getting that integration in place and so on. Maybe this is something that we need to we need to hold a, a little more loosely. I'll, I'll give you a 2008 survey conducted by the Department of Education found, for instance, that all that of all the single medium schools in South Africa, i.e., schools that offer only one medium of instruction in every grade of the school, 77% were English. Um, yeah, 77% were English, and in second place was the Afrikaans schools at 16%. Uh, Zulu schools only accounted for 2% of single-medium schools. All this in spite of the fact that there are more Zulu and Kosa first-language speakers than there are Afrikaans speakers mm. in South Africa. So, so there is this inherent inequality. And for the sake of integration and for the sake of building harmony, should we not be saying, you know what, this is not something that we should, you know, we can have, I remember when we went to school, there was the Portuguese school, Chinese school, where, 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 where after school, the kids can go and, and then be taught in that as, as well. Um, for, the, in the interest of the greater good, is this something that the Afrikaans community should not be holding a lot, a lot more loosely? I, I think 
not when it comes to quality of education. This is something that is actively pursued by UNESCO, the Education Council of the United Nations, that, and they particularly single out Africa as the continent where this is the biggest problem. The problem that, well, the fact that, and there's a lot of research that's already been done on the topic, that if you study in your own language, especially in primary school, you perform better, you are quicker to grasp the concepts and so forth. So I think... Um, the playground is a different is a different issue, but in the classroom, we sh- what we should actually we actually need more mother language education, not less. Um, guys, sorry, I am actually I actually do work with children of this age, okay, and I was educated in Afrikaans from grade one sub R tot metric, okay, and I went to UCT <laughs> and I sort of fringled. Um <clears throat> But I, I think that would be moving backwards. Do you know what I mean? Like to say, okay, well, Afrikaners give up the the right or the the privilege. It's not a right, well, whatever, um, to educate their children in their mother tongue. I mean, across the world, wherever children are, it should be a human right to be educated in your own language. The problem with our country is that we have always had this imbalance of power in the past, and to this day, we're still seeing that. We see excellent schools that educate in English and I'm talking about educate every subject not as a per, not 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 another language that you do as a different subject I'm talking about Adrikskinder biology whatever it is like every subject that you're educated in in Afrikaans that's a wonderful privilege that we've had but we as Afrikaners need to acknowledge that we've been so 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 lucky and we're still riding this wave of something that was wrong to begin with and now to open an opportunity for other vernacular African languages to do the same. I think that's the answer. So we can have excellent schools, private, government, whatever, that educates in mother tongue. That's how you move forward. I don't think you say, well, Afrikaners give up being it, but where are we going to go? Then we keep going against. We keep pushing um, and making things so, wrong. So you're asking that, um, that let's say, the Zulus and the Kosas, um, of whom there are more of, they yes. must wait. No, um, no, no, no. While we, while we, while we equalize the playing fields, while, Not while, because, because as you rightly put it, it is a privilege, mm. um, and for the sake of the greater good. So the Afrikaans community can continue to have Afrikaans schools as part of, but, but within the public education system mm. that is already constrained of resources. Mm. Um, should we not be saying, you know what, let's just make all the schools English, for example, mm. in that way, because, because now you remember only 2% of schools are single medium Zulu. Mm. Zulus are the most populous uh, 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 yes, culture, says. right? So, so, so what we're saying is that you know how are we going to create, how are we ever going to create balance if we don't come to a? No, that's a practical issue, and I agree with you. Like, where are we going to start making that happen? But that's the answer, not taking away. If if we could ma- wave a magic wand, which I know is not possible, then you know there'd be a, a split along the lines of the percentages of our population. Um, of course. That's hard and it's difficult and I'm definitely not saying, well, just wait another 200 years until we get there. But we've got to move towards integrating mother tongue and all of those. All right, uh, 10 to 10 uh, on cliffcentral.com. Plenty of comments. Thank you so much for all of them. I was speaking about the Afrikaner uh, victim or villain in South Africa. What is your thoughts? Uh, we've got Drukas from Pretoria. Goeiemorgen, Drukas, Hi, guys. Yeah, not too bad. You just called. Good, you lekker, lekker. Can we speak English, please? Is it okay? Yes, no problem. Okay, brilliant. Because my Afrikaans is so bad that I, I wouldn't even want to put that on you. Drukas, I can't speak Afrikaans. Jan Smat said that uh, 
Good officer can talk English better than the English That's so true. Eh? That is so true when it comes to me. Eh? My grammar and punctuation is horrible. Ask anyone. Drukas, what's your comment? Well, I think South Africa is the largest thing that's become uh, a victim. One for, uh, well, I think that we've got a huge perception of um, history. One that's been dumped down our throat by, by the ruling party to a large extent to um, pursue their current agenda and to hide behind um, the mistakes of the present. Um, so we've been funneled with this deeper section of history. Um, you, you earlier you made a comment about um, the Afrikaners not, or the National Party government, let's call it that, not really having a choice in the apartheid. Um, but it was actually in the inner circles with the National Party by the end of the 1970s that they already made that decision to end the apartheid. The how and the when was the problem. At that time, we had uh, a big divide in the world, you know, the Cold War. And the end of the Cold War actually was the, was the last opportunity or the, the real first big opportunity in the party. And F.W. de Klerk grabbed that with both hands. Um, so they had a choice, and I think we made a great choice. And I think to a large extent, the Afrikaners feel that that has meant, that's meant atonement for them. So every time we hear that, yo, we haven't done this, or we haven't done this, still need to atone for whatever has been done, the Afrikaners get defensive. They feel they've done enough, and what actually what what the country has actually done is we have the right Afrikaans with it for freedom. So they're busy losing the Afrikaners, and as a group of people with great talent, with with a, um, great financial resources, with 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 a, a cultural backing, the rest of South Africa actually needs to pursue the Afrikaners and get them get them integrated, pursue them so that. They can contribute because actually South Africa needs the Afrikaner more than the Afrikaner in South Africa at the moment. Wait a minute. So, so you say South Africa needs the Afrikaner more than. Uh, so, so it's a favor for Afrikaners to be in South Africa. Are Afrikaners well, doing uh, us a favor by being here? Well, uh, uh, to a large extent, uh, most of the Afrikaners in the circles we are moving has the opportunity to immigrate. A lot of them have already. And a lot of them are immigrating as we speak. The only reason why the people are staying here is because we love the country, we love the people. But the people are still, I don't know what they have against us. Because so, so, so you, 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 you frame it as though it's a privilege for, for South Africa to host Afrikaners. Um, help me out here. Uh, how does, how did, how did the Afrikaner, um, accumulate the ability to be such an indispensable resource for this country? Is it just because the Afrikaner is just, uh, was the Afrikaner just especially endowed and therefore uh, is, is, is doing a great favor to South Africa by being here? Well, let me take you back a few years further. Um, the Afrikaner after the, the Boer War had nothing left. There was nothing. And um, with that, they went back and it took them 50, 60 years to build up to where they, you know, to, to, to the place where they had the resources they have today. Um, the first part of the point today is, is that people want the same, the same resources that black people in general have in this country at the moment, but they want it now and they want it immediately. But Trikes. it took many decades for us to get there. Trikes, hello, this is Hanneke. So. Yeah, Hanneke. Um, Denk jy nie, het is belangrijk dat ons moet ophou so ver terugkijk nie, na die, na die boere oorlog. I mean, I understand 
that argument, and to a certain extent, I do agree with it, that the Afrikaner was down and out and stood up and fought for something and built their, our idea of a nation, okay? But now, we can't hold on to that. It's later, and it's very important that us, average, middle class, um, young Afrikaners, we have to we have to seem as if we not seem as if we have to genuinely actually listen and engage in the dialogue. And I think it's more important to listen than to speak. Um Stay me some. We've been listening for too many years. That's the problem. Yeah. And what 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 frankly <laughs> we're getting tired of it. No, but with so many different cultures in this country, can we afford to ever stop having a dialogue? We have to be seen as Afrikaners to truly listen. You know, we were so super privileged. Don't you think that's important? I, I think it's important to keep listening. All yes. that I'm saying is that the, the trend at the moment is to, is for, it's not for us to stop listening. We've been listening. But the country has subsidized to what we've been saying. You talked about this earlier this, in, in the same show. You talked about this. Whenever we say something, it is disregarded as other racist or coming from a position of white privilege. Um, so that's a problem at the moment. Drikas, I must uh, interrupt you. Thank you for your comments uh, and thoughts. I appreciate it. We, we welcome all comments and thoughts here. Adams, you've, you've been biting your tongue to say something. Something. <laughs> separate. Separate. What is separate? Isn't that the way to say it? He's trying to say, say it, say it. <laughs> say it, say it. Say it, say it. You're saying say for it, say for it. But we love you, so. Say for it is much better. Forget about my Afrikaans here. It is appalling. But, I mean, the honest truth is the educated Afrikaner um, and I'm not saying Drikas isn't educated, but there's a lot of people, Afrikaans people, that will not accept Drikas' views. Mm. Mm. Adams, I'm hoping that you're one of them. Tell me about your thoughts. No, 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 don't put Adams on the spot. I think if, I want you to agree with him if you agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand where, where he's coming from. Um, from my personal perspective, um, well, I think what he, what he was trying to, what Drikas was trying to say was, with his reference to the time after the Boer War, that is true. There was a great amount of poverty in, in, in the country. Everyone was poor. Everything was destroyed. And then they had this, it was about 100 years ago, the Afrikaners had this help Makar movement, this help each other movement, where they mm-hmm. said, listen, we need to work hard and we need to build up this country. And I'm particularly proud of that because um, of the role that my family played at that time. Um, my great-grandfather was one of the founders of the town of, of Janine, and there's even he was one of the first people who started agriculture in that area, and that farm is still still in, in, in the family. Um, so I understand that, but I, and I think the issue of, of communication, yes, I agree, we need to listen. I think mm-hmm. the problem with this country is that everyone is very eager to speak and not yes. as eager to listen. Um, Especially on Facebook and especially on Twitter. Everyone, <laughs> so, tw- I always say Twitter and Facebook is that place where everyone believes that they know everything about everything. Um, so we need to listen, but, but I think communication is a two-way uh, thing. Um, so yes, we need to have conversation. Uh, Afrikaners need to listen, but Afrikaners also need to be, to, to have the opportunity to speak. And if we say, let's say if we're listening to, let's say the government, government needs to listen or they need to speak, but they also need to listen. And I think in terms of, if we look at communication as a two-way street, there is a problem in terms of communication. Adams, don't you think that um, the average Afrikaner, unfortunately, is seen, and I, d- I do not see myself as one of these, one of those Afrikaners, they're seen as to not acknowledge 
the privilege that we've had, and then by by virtue of doing that, um, we're just making our, ourselves um, not reachable. We can't communicate. So don't you think it's important for us to just maybe hold our past and our privilege a little bit more um, honestly and say, okay, you know what, uh, we have had a lot of uh, we have had a lot of privilege and a lot of advantage in the past, and we're willing to 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 remember that at least. You know, I don't know if that helps, but that's how I feel. Um, next controversial statement. <laughs> um, I think yes, everyone needs to acknowledge what they have and what they've received. But but part of my personal frustration and what we experience with within our members and and um, speaking to people is that we have a frustration that if we look at history, it's this single narrative where everything Afrikaners did was evil and everything, for example, the ANC did was wonderful. And it's not that simple. No. It's um, not. So I think I think that's why there is this hesitance to to mm. talk about the past because we need to have a more balanced perspective about South Africa's history. Guys, what a fascinating conversation. And I'm sorry that we have to leave it on this note because I feel like we're just into the conversation. We need at least another two hours to discuss this and probier. Um, <laughs> you see, there we go. What I tried. Does probier mean? What does probier mean? No, no, you try, know what it means. Try, you know try, what it means. Try, try. No, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm working hard. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to end the conversation here. It's, uh, it's one minute to 10 o'clock. Thank you so much to everyone who engaged with us. I know there were lots of WeChat comments. Thank you. We did see them. Unfortunately, we couldn't get to all sorry, of them. On Twitter as well. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to con- uh, continue the conversation uh, just for a little bit outside of the studio. We'll record it and we'll get it back to you on uh, on Twitter in just a little bit. You can also go to www.cliffcentral.com to hear this podcast. And uh, we want to hear more from you. This is fantastic stuff. Adam, thank you for your time. Hanneke, thank you for your time. Thank you. This is unbelievable for Afrikaners to hear. And we want more of that. Just, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Rory, help <laughs> oh. me. Oh, it's the intention. Uh, That's so nice. Bye, donkey guys. Um, and uh, we hope let, let's let's keep the conversation going. I think we've done the critical first step, which is to have that f- first mm. conversation. Mm. So from me, Rory, uh, change the world, everybody. Yes, Rory, <laughs> you change the world. Thank you so much to everyone, and uh, let's hope that going forward, South Africans are bringing together Afrikaners and Afrikaners full so us. South Africaners. That's like a mensa. Have yourself a fantastic day. It's Thank 10 o'clock. Thank you very much. Ciao, ciao. My heart's down here. Cliffcentral.com.